And thank you very much for listening in to this recap episode for week three of Super Rugby Aotearoa, where I am once again joined by my good friend Casey to cover all that unfolded across the two days, Saturday night's game being between the Blues and Highlanders, and Sunday's afternoon fixture being between the Crusaders and Chiefs. Now, there weren't as many penalties this week, which I guess was a good thing, but then again, like when we look back to uh, the inconsistencies that have been complained about with the players. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen going forward, but again, without giving too much away, I will jump straight into the podcast so you can hear what me and Casey chatted about last night off the back of what we saw unfold across the weekend. Enjoy. But anyway, bro, uh, we'll crack into this this recap. Two games of footy on the weekend, the first of which was the Blues and Highlanders on Saturday night, uh, which the Blues won 27-24. Now, we both predicted that the Blues were going to sort of run away with this game and put the Highlanders to the sword, but in actuality, that wasn't so much the case. Well, it sort of looked like it towards the back end of that first half off a couple of wicked Blues tries, but I have to credit the, the Highlanders for, for sticking at their game and actually fronting up in the forwards, you know, which was an area that we thought that they would possibly be targeted in, but if anything, they held their own. But I'll chuck it over to you, bro. What were your um, What are your thoughts on game one from round three? I think the Highlanders really kept the momentum when they when they had it in their favour, and they sustained the pressure and held the ball. Uh, they were accurate, and they were able to draw penalties and keep three points to uh, keep them close. But yeah, a lot closer than what I had predicted. Mm. And you know, full credit to the Highlanders for being able to step up for the game and give them a good challenge because I think, you know, the Blues sort of may... I wouldn't say they they would have coasted into it seeing, with, seeing that they had the same same lineup as the previous week. But, yeah, the Highlanders definitely stepped up. And I think when you look at what came from all of those Blues tries or what was sort of the catalyst for it, and, you know, I don't I don't want to bag on a guy, but the, the Highlanders fullback, Scott Gregory, had a pretty forgetful night at the office he like he had to kick charge down which resulted in the, in the Papali'i try and then the the kick return I guess that landed a Barrett and then go out wide they hit Clark and then that try ends up going in Iwani's way and then even the, the knock on um, after Shannon Frizzell scores the try and the Highlanders take the lead at the back end of the game and then Papali'i scores from a couple of phases later from, from a line out drive so the Highlanders it's not like Again, I don't want to pin it on a, on one guy because rugby is a team game. But like, I guess if we're being honest and having a proper reflection of the game, and you know, this is about me giving credit to the Highlanders. Like you said, they were actually really, really accurate at stuff like set piece, even with their defence. And the, I don't know. I just sort of pictured this game off the back of how well that the the four pack of the Blues was rolling and how lethal the, the Blues backs had been. And again, you know, I, I, I want to give credit to, to the outsides because I thought the outsides did a pretty good job. Besides, obviously, like Caleb Clark, he, he did have his moments of brilliance, obviously, when he scored his try and then he set out Rico Iwani's try. But for the most part, they sort of kept them in check. Same with Fayani, Iwani. And Bowden Barrett was pretty much put into a place where his impact on the game was more so from a kicking perspective. And, like, he, he played really well. I mean, you know, he 
put a lot of pressure on Scott Gregory and was what ultimately caused all those errors, which then led to Blues points. But yeah, I, I just didn't see that the... I just didn't think that the Highlanders would get up for this game. But again, I've been proven wrong. You know, they got up in front of the zoo in, in game one and they got up away from home in front of a, a pretty tenacious Eden Park. So, like, even going further in depth, like, what did you see from the Blues? I, I, I wasn't all that impressed with them. I thought that they were smart, and especially towards the, the last 20 minutes of the game, I guess it sort of shone through, you know, just having someone like Bowden Barrett in there and, you know, the confidence that these players up in Auckland have now, you know, they just have the confidence that they can grind and win these close games. Yeah, so the I thought the Blues... They stuck with their um, kicking options, made 27 kicks in this game, and I think they did make some really good kicks. I mean, Wartiri and Bowden, their tactical kicking I thought was, was reasonably sound. I mean, there was a few few that were off, but I think they put the pressure on the Highlanders in their own half. But yeah, other than that, you got Clark who brought big energy to the game, and he made some major breakthroughs. Rico... Yuani's tries just shows the Blues counterattack options and the risk that you know the high high risk that they um, pose to any other opposition team that they can just score from from the back like that and I mean Caleb Clark made made that break and I mean he's he's super quick and you know you're gonna need someone quick to support him and lucky Rico was there because I don't think too many other players would have kept up with him. No. Special to pay a tribute to him, bro. Obviously, like um, I know I pass on my condolences, and I'm sure you do for the loss of his grandfather. And you know, just I guess how special that game would have been. You know, the fact that he was able to put himself in the right frame of mind to perform at you know what is a, a crazy level of rugby. Um, but yeah, no, he's you know he's built off um, I guess his previous performances, and he looks really good. And he's he's another one that's going to sort of be pressing his claims to be one of the lucky few, or hopefully one of the lucky few included in the All Blacks uh, later this year. But one of the other areas, besides Clark obviously sticking his hand up, was the Battle of the Number 8s. Now we sung Hoskins Tutu's praises last week on the preview with my old man. Um, we, we've both been really impressed with what he saw, but equally as impressive was actually Mikhaili, um too. And he's another one. He's, he's different to Hoskins in that, I mean, they both sort of front up in a physical sense. I think he's probably a bit broader and... Hoskins maybe a little bit more silky and athletic, but yeah, it's another one that's sort of like sticking his hand up, I guess, higher on us. And they're like, they're both very young as well. Is to is he like twenty two? Yeah, some somewhere. I think he's twenty two, and to see these players at that age, you know, playing in a position like number eight, which is a very demanding forward position, um, it's exciting. Yeah. Really exciting to see them step up. And um, he led to that try, where was it, when um, Park, he linked up and then threw the offload to, was it Parkinson? And then they got that quick pull to Hunt and he managed to exploit the the mismatch, the forward mismatch and hit the gap and slowed straight in. He was another one. He, was, he, had, he had a pretty solid game. He, I think he would have liked maybe one of those kicks to go over to keep the, I guess, push the Highlanders um, buffer a little bit more out in front. But... I saw that Josh Iwani is meant to be fully recovered or he participated in sort of full-on training, I think, towards the back end of this week. And so it'll be interesting to see which way Aaron Major and Tony Brown go considering how well Mitch Hunt has, has been. I mean, he hasn't stood out, but he's been a lot than what I guess he had 
course of rugby Aotearoa kicked off. Yeah, I, I, I guess overall, I've just been, I was hugely impressed with the Highlanders over the weekend. You know, like they've, they'd hit the rock bottom coming into this year, and you know they had no expectations on them, and that's probably maybe a little bit of the reason why they are they're playing the way they are. They, they you know, they, yeah, of course they're playing to a structure, but I guess there's almost like a carelessness, or like an organised carelessness because you know, like they're going into every single game being the underdog, and you know they can almost come out and catch these teams on the hop. It'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season goes because, you know, maybe a team like the Blues would have thought that getting up for a game at home is easy and, you know, maybe they just caught the, the Chiefs on the hop and, you know, the, the Chiefs didn't play Aaron Cruden or start with Aaron Cruden that game and the the Highlanders got on an early roll. But I think even from what we saw on Saturday is that the Highlanders can actually step up to the plate when needed. And yeah, as long as Aaron Smith's on form like he is, I mean, he's he's something else eh, in terms of the way that he's able to to dictate play from from the nine position. Yeah, but... um, and I was yeah I was really impressed with their the Ford's work in the in the red zone. Both Dixon's and Frizzell's try were just a credit to the accurate sort of build up and accuracy and pressure through their Ford pack, and they just managed to grind it out and hold it out. You know. Lots of teams they can get out, get down into that red zone, but you know it only takes one knock on and you're back down the other end. But they did pretty well to hold on to the ball and just just keep working, keep grinding within the forwards, and then they managed to get across the line. So that yeah, massive credit to their accuracy around that yeah. that part of the field. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I think what even like me and Matt and my old man touched on was that I guess the the Highlanders pack sort of lacked that physicality, but it looks like. Even though McKelly Two has always been there, having someone like Putty Putty Parkinson in there, um, even having Ash Dixon start, I feel like he's actually had pretty good performances. You know, considering he was in a reserve role prior to this, which is again sort of weird because he's the captain, but he's coming off the bench. But obviously, that's the sort of money he has within that that leadership group and that team as a whole. Yeah, I'd l- like you touched on it before that the Blues have based a lot of their game around their kicking or I guess playing um, down the right end of the field and I think my biggest takeaway from the game because when I look back Papali's try the second try which put them back in front was scored around the 60 minute mark so there was still 20 minutes of football left in that game and it was and it was anyone's ball game but again the, the Blues just showed this I guess resilience you know because it's like and, I, and I've been off the back of it even in games and you've probably done it yourself you know it's almost like towards the back end of a game when it's a tight one it's almost you almost feel like all the pressure's on you as the team that's in front and because you know like when you're chasing the game you know you're sort of throwing everything at it whereas like um, I guess when you're in a position of defending something a lot of the time you can sort of I guess take a step back and look to protect the lead rather than keep staying on the attack but yeah I think yeah. that I mean Bowden Barrett's made a hell of a difference his, his kicking in terms of like we said putting pressure on the young fullback and just getting getting the Blues down the right areas of the field and you know sort of stepping up into that first receiver role and taking some of the pressure off or Teddy Black even though yeah Black probably would have liked a couple of kicks back from the tee but again he's just playing his role and that's the thing like a lot of these guys they're not having to sort of overdo anything because they've got players in key positions guys like Hoskin Satutu who's playing really well uh, Patrick Tuipulotu is playing really well. You've got your outsides doing their job, finishing off tries, even though they probably weren't as prolific as they had been in previous weeks. And then you've got, again, arguably the best player at the back sort of just dictating play and coming in and sort of just injecting himself in different moments. And even though those moments might not be, you know, the razzle-dazzle or the spectacular tries that 
I guess fans want to see. It's like almost like the little one percenters that Bowden Barrett brings to that blue side, and even just I guess the the, the lift he brings with being on the field that is getting these blues to the end of the game. You know where they're ahead on the scoreboard. So yeah, yeah, but, it's yeah. it's. It, when you when you, you do have a lot of confidence and in, in the players around you, yeah, you're right. You don't, the players don't have to overcompensate and they don't have to push themselves in ways that they they don't feel like they need to. You know, you got all today's out for a play. You know, you can slot Bowden in, or you know, you just have trust in in your players around you. And I think that that also yeah leads to more confidence in the, in the team. I mean, the big test is going to be when they play the Crusaders, right? Because I mean, I've seen. I know my dad said it, and I've seen a lot of jokes about it. That you know, and the Blues can only play, you know, I guess who's who's on their their schedule or you know, said schedule from the past. But yeah, it will be interesting to see how they play against the Crusaders, considering how lethal their back three are and how dominant their forward pack can be when they turn up on the day. But yeah, but I mean, like besides all the other talking points, bro, did you have a standout individual? I mean, I, I I thought Caleb Clark was the man of the match, but I mean, like you can pick him, or did you want to sort of point out anybody else that sort of caught your eye and you thought needed some sort of mention? Yeah, I was I was I was going to go Clark again. Yeah, he had a pretty standout game, um, pretty pretty excellent performance considering his circumstances. I mean, uh, thoughts with him and his whanau, uh, but yeah, he pulled out a big game. And also something that I was, you know, there was a couple of big moments near the end of that game when. The, the Landers had a few penalties out in front and, yeah, they opted to go to the the sideline at the end. They obviously backed their line out to to get across, but I think it was Satutu was in there and managed to cause a menace in that mall. I thought that was, you know, to come up with that big play is just throwing more credit on his, on his name. You know, you've got a big, a big man just making a mess of that, that mall and taking the pressure off the Blues in the, the last final few moments of that game. But then, yeah, it also leads to the question around, you know, should they have taken the three points and gone, tried to go for the golden point? That would have been interesting. It could have been fun to watch. Um, but obviously they back their forwards. You see, I'm in the boat where, like, I think when you're in that position and you're, I guess you're playing a team that, I guess, can score from anywhere on the field, like the Blues have shown, that you almost have to sort of try and land a killer blow and not... I guess, play to keep up with them. You always want to play to play ahead or play to get ahead, sorry. So I, it is, it's a tough one, right? Because like as a, I guess like as any, I guess, rugby follower would say, you know, when you take the points when they're on offer, points, but when you're, in, when you're in a position like that, like you mentioned, where they're only down by three, it's like, you know, you take the easy three points rather than going for the gambler, going for the five. But I can understand, I guess, the, the thought pattern behind maybe what major was relaying to his troops or what Aaron Smith and then what Ash Dixon was was seeing on the field because like I mean to be fair like like you said when the Highlanders got into the red zone they showed the accuracy to be able to put points on the board so I guess like when you're on the field and I guess you're in the heat of the moment you back yourself in those positions but like you said like I guess towards the back end of the game when you know or even if they take the points right and they tie up the game they're not chasing it anymore so the Blues have to score Whereas I guess like when they go to the line out and like you said when the mall gets disrupted by Satutu or whoever, the Blues then you know they relieve the pressure, kick the ball downfield, and they don't have to play to score any points. So yeah, I, I guess I would more side on I guess landing the killer blow, but that's just me personally. And yeah, personally I think they made the right call going for the line. I think you know 
they they back themselves and yeah, why not? But yeah, one of the, okay, on that mentioning of the forwards, I I'm really liking that look at that putty putty Parkinson, eh? He's um Yeah, he's looking strong. Well he's well he he's tall, right? So like I mean you can't coach height, well you can't coach size, really sorry. And he could probably use a little bit more beef on him if he wants to take that next step up. But I don't know, he's just he sort of pops up in the right places, you know, he's sort of a, a head down, ass up sort of player and he's made a real difference, him being back, because he was one of the guys that was sidelined at the start of the year and that's where the I guess the Hollanders really struggled. They struggled at set piece and they just struggled with it a little bit that mongrel and sort of physicality in their forward pack and I don't know, I, I just personally feel like he's another one that should be earmarked for higher honours. I've said the same thing about Isaiah Walker-Leawitty. Yeah, I mean, like at the moment, I mean, we're pretty blessed for locks. Having the likes of like Brody Vitalik, uh, Scott Barrett, Patrick Tuipulotu, so that would probably round out your your twenty three, I guess. But there's always, I guess, room to nurture young talent, and he was he was just another standout individual for me from the weekend, um, considering how well that Highlands Sportpack played. But yeah, we'll we'll kick on to the second game though, which was the Crusaders and Chiefs this afternoon. The Crusaders ended up winning that game 18-13. Fortunately, it was miserable conditions, so there wasn't really the opportunity to, um, I guess, play with any razzle. But in fairness to the Chiefs, they did actually look to play the game at a bit of width. And the two tries that were scored were, were pretty good, considering how sloppy the handling had been sort of throughout the game for both sides. But again, man, I'll, I'll throw the, the mic to you and get your first impressions on what you saw this afternoon. Yeah, there was a lot of rain, and it's obviously very slippery. There were a lot of um, turnovers conceded. I think it was about 30 throughout the game across both sides. And that was... I feel like the there was actually like a little bit of razzle in there, and then maybe just a little bit too much for the conditions. Yeah. I feel like sometimes passes were being probably pushed a little bit, but the players, you know, obviously back themselves to, to try and pull off those magic moments. But yeah, very slippery, slippery conditions out there. Very hard to like, you know, look at that game and be like, one team, like what players stood out because it was, you know, just a really broken, broken game. But yeah, there's definitely a few big moments in that game. A few interesting calls and a few interesting tries as well. Yeah, it was it was a it was a pretty pretty scrappy game to be fair. I mean, I, I paid the mention to the Chiefs playing the game at width, and like you said, like Aaron Cruden was, um, I guess one of the, the standouts for me. He looked to take the ball to the line, and there were a couple of times where, especially like in that first half, he maybe sort of looked to push the offload, or guys when they were going into contact looked to get the ball free, where maybe it was actually the safer option or the better option to just recycle the ball and, and play the next phase. And again, the the Chiefs. I guess when they look at the, the stat sheet come the end of the game, they had multiple opportunities both in the first and second half to find five points maybe instead of three, and the handling just let them down. So mm-hmm. like in the first half, like they, between them, the Crusaders had five handling errors of their own, but the Chiefs had nine. And I mean, you can look at that stat alone, but I guess the thing that you have to sort of throw on top of it is where those handling errors were coming. And I think... From what I counted, I, I couldn't find it at the end of the game in terms of like the positioning of each of these handling areas, but there were just so many opportunities in that first half when the Chiefs were down in the Crusaders' red zone, and just like previous weeks, they just 
couldn't keep the ball in hand and then I guess be patient and reap the benefits of it so yeah I've, I don't know I don't know what to say with that because I've sort of given them the benefit of the doubt because it's like yep last week they played in miserable conditions and then the week before it was the first game back and I mean they're three weeks in now and you would have thought that they maybe they would have learned their lesson and I mean I understand that you're playing a team like the Crusaders who are pretty ruthless and the Crusaders did defend really well like I can understand how frustrating that would have been and there's almost like the thinking that because of how well the Crusaders do defend that you have to maybe chance your arm a little bit to, to like you said pull off like a magic moment but I don't know it seems like just like another case of deja vu for these guys they just they can sort of build their way into the right areas of the field but they just can't take that final step or you know clear that final hurdle um, but yeah on the point of tries though obviously that that first one was wicked I mean we, we talked about Will Jordan in the lead up and how much of a fan we both are of him and I think Justin Marshall was saying like he's his strike rate at the moment he's I think he scored like 13 or 14 tries from 15 or 16 games so you know he, he doesn't hate or he sorry I'm trying to find my wording here I was not about to say he hates a meat pie but for those of you that don't maybe understand that colloquialism it, it means that he's got a nose for the try line uh, and then he had the heads up play in the, in the second half as well when they had the quick throw again I think it was Sever Reese threw it into him and he brushed off Brad Weber and sort of just pinned his ears back and found his way into the corner and, and that was essentially the ball game right I mean because for the most part both teams defended really well but it was just those two moments that sort of came from nothing that got the Crusaders over the line in the end and, and that's sort of the case with the Crusaders full stop right they they just have these moments where they strike or you know they're, they're probably the best team ever maybe outside of the All Blacks where when presented with a, an opportunity you know nine times out of ten they're going to capitalize on it and yeah that for me that was the difference I mean the the Chiefs had their own opportunities they were probably even clearer because, I mean, the the first one was off a wipers kick that McKenzie um, misjudged, then Reese makes it, and this is drawing past the ball, Jordan. Then, like you said, it was like the heads-up play um, off the quick line-out. And, yeah, it, it, again, it makes for frustrating watching because, like, as cool as those tries were, it's just frustrating that it's the Crusaders and that, you know, they are just that team who just managed to pull something out of the hat. And yeah, they just cross the chalk in those sort of ways where there's no sort of... Yeah. No real build or anything, no, no phase play. It's just like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll bang it up top and see if he somehow manages to grab it. And there, oh, look, there's Will Jordan. It's not even so much that, you know, because I, 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 I don't want to take any credit away because they do have the ability to score great tries from set piece and from counter attack. But, you know, in a scrappy game like that, when, you know, it's one or two moments, they are just a team that, for whatever reason, you know, year after year after year, and it's not even like it's the same individual doing it all the time, but they just get these little windows of opportunity and they convert them into five or seven points. And again, final score was 18-13, and, you know, it's, it's little moments like that that got them home. But, yeah, and again... There was one... There, there was one from the Cebu uh, thrown from the... From the line where he passed it to Will Jordan, I thought they were the uh, Chiefs were a little bit unlucky there. I think the Chiefs had Goodhue stuck in a ruck about the 22. I think it was two rucks before that that try was scored, and I think Goodhue, Goodhue was right in the ruck. And you know, considering what's happened the last couple of weeks, I was very surprised he wasn't penalised for being in there. Um, so I did sort of feel a little bit for the Chiefs. I think sort of Weber did 
make a bit of a noise, but didn't seem to get any um, love from the ref there on that one. No, because um, that was one of the things that he was complaining about, right? Because he'd, he'd, you'd sort of heard the ref say, like, Brad, like, cut it out, and then the ball finds touch. And then I think Brad almost goes back to him to have a second go, and then that went, that's when the, the try was scored. But even on the topic of, of penalties, there were, there were far less penalties this week than there were, there were last week. I think there were 16 in the second game. And I'm sort of trying to scratch through my notes to, to find how many were in the first game. But, yeah, I think the refs were maybe a little bit more lenient this week which is, I think, maybe a tad confusing as, as much as it maybe would have made for the game to flow better by having less whistle in it. It's like, well, next week, are we going to go back to having it, you know, like you said, you know, the fact that Jack Bucci was caught in that ruck and he was in the middle of it. And it's like, yep, maybe he's making the earnest sort of example to, to try and get out of that ruck because he's stuck. But at the same time, like we said on Wednesday, if you put yourself in a position... To where you potentially are going to fall on that side of the ball or f- fall into that position in the ruck that the referees are going to be pinging it but like you said the referee didn't ping it today and I guess it ended in five points I mean the Chiefs sort of fell asleep they sort of went back into the whole mm-hmm. motion of you know setting a line out and you know yeah credit credit to, 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 I... to Jordan for making that run but yeah another confusing one with the whole refereeing on it yeah know? I replay I, I did replay that one a couple of times and I sort of did look at the way that Goodhue fell and I felt felt like he did fall on the Crusaders side in a way that sort of would slow down the ball um, so yeah I was a little bit surprised in that and, and I think even towards the back end of the game um, the set piece I mean the Chiefs didn't do themselves any favours here they, they lost three line outs and I, I know that the Crusaders l- looked a lot better especially at scrum time and, and, even, and even with their own line out considering much better than last week. How, how slippery the ball was, and yeah, you know, I mean, I, even though the the conditions were that way, I think that, like like we said, the Crusaders are one of those sides that they sort of learn from their mistakes, and they probably would have made it an area of priority in the build up to to this week's match. But yeah, again, another place. As much as I like to see that Takiaho in open space because he's, he is quite abrasive both with ball in hand and without, he's hasn't shown a competency to throwing the ball in at the rate at which you'd expect a super rugby hooker to do. And, you know, again, it's those little moments where you have a line out on the 22-meter line and you're looking to, I guess, convert um, what a potential three was into five. And that that lack of accuracy at set piece ultimately costs the Chiefs in the end. I mean, yeah, again, like rugby is a game of, of moments. And, you know, like if you waste multiple moments where you put yourself in a pretty good position to, to dot down. Against a team like the Crusaders, you, you just can't afford to do that because those sorts of opportunities don't come up all that often. Or, you know, the, yeah, the Crusaders are the other type sure. of team where if you let them off the hook in one aspect, you know, then, you know, the next minute they're, they're down the other end of the field and they're kicking another three and, you know, that, that buffer then turns into to 10 or 12 or 15. So Yeah, and the latter, latter part of that game, there were, there were a couple sort of moments that I noted down that I thought were where the Chiefs definitely had a chance at getting across the line for five points. And I think Takuyahu, he did drop it in the 22 uh, in yep, contact. Yep, yep, and right the end. then the other one was their yeah, Weber's poor pass to McKenzie right at the end. And, you know, they're, they're so close and they just want to build and sustain that pressure, but it's just that, that little lapse that just costs them. 
I, I don't know what you put it down to because you wouldn't say that it's an experience because, you know, those, I guess, areas, you know, like sort of the context area, it's not so much the decision making, it's more like the execution and you talk about like a guy like Brad Webb, you know, he's an all black and I think that he's got a pretty nice pass and, and again, the weather doesn't help and we mentioned Takeaho and how good he is with ball in hand, you know, and then that was just another a loose carry and I don't know whether, you know, these guys, you know, the pressure gets to them when they've, they've made sort of continuous mistakes in that one area and it's almost like they needed I guess like a little sort of pick-me-up moment whether it be like a, a nice clean line break or you know an easy five points even though you know there's never really an easy easy five pointers that get conceded by the Crusaders but yeah it's just a, that area of the field for the for the Chiefs albeit that they did score or Sean Wainui dotted down for them from close range it just it's just another area for the third week in a row that they've just showed Again, an inability to, to convert pressure into points. So, some really interesting statistics that I saw from that was that the Crusaders made 155 tackles in comparison to the 81 of the Chiefs. And I think that's just you know astounding that you know the, the Crusaders made that many tackles and credit to their defence as well for holding the, the Chiefs out. Uh, there's a huge, huge difference in the amount of tackles. No, they did. That's the thing. Like, as much as you sort of want to, I guess, be critical of the Chiefs, because I, I, I do, I do think they deserve it. Because again, I, it's, it's sort of been a repeated area in which they struggled. And you know, like they were playing the Crusaders, and they were playing the Crusaders at home. And the Crusaders haven't lost at home since I think it was twenty sixteen, if I remember yeah. rightly. And was that the Hurricanes? Was it? Yeah, it was. It was that. Yeah, it was that Hurricanes game where I think Elapati Leo scored that. That like Line. crazy try when he like ran down the sideline, but yeah, that that that's in the past. Unfortunately, the Hurricanes haven't really done that as of late. But <laughs> glory days. But yeah, I mean, uh, we'll move on to standard individuals because yeah, I don't want to keep harping on um, the chief stuff because it sort of did my head in watching it today. But besides Will Jordan, because I mean we can get to him, but a guy that for me who's I mean, I've always known that he's good, but like having watched him the last couple of weeks and having moved to second five, Jack Goodhue, he's, it's a frustrating one for me because I almost, I've got this sort of personal bias to where I'm a, I'm a big Anton Leonard Brown fan, but looking at the work that he's done to, I guess, make that shift in was to, to give Braden in all the opportunity to play at outside centre. And I mean, like he's just the whole package. You look at his off-footing ability, you look at the work, he's probably the best defensive midfielder we've got in the country at the moment. He's got a, a pretty deft kicking game. Yeah, he's just, like right now, Like I thought, I personally thought that Anton Leonard-Brown was our most well-rounded midfielder off the back of his season last year and what he was doing um, with the All Blacks. But I think now, like w- when I look at someone like Jack Goodhue because of his ability to play at 12 and 13, that he is probably the form fielder for me agreed he's looking very safe and safe and sound uh, whereas you know I feel like I haven't seen that much from Leonard Brown so far in the last few weeks it's uh, a, good, yeah. view, good use the opposite yeah no it, it, it's a tough one right because like you I think one of the things that you have to take into consideration when you when you talk about players who play for the Crusaders is that you know they are playing in a really really good team and I mean, we mentioned how much easier it is on a player when they know they just have to nail their role and maybe not overcompensate for, for weaknesses in other areas. And I think the thing for me is that maybe I'm, I'm holding 
too high of an expectation for Anton Leonard Brown because off the back of last year and how poorly the, the Chiefs were at the start of the season, he was still performing really, really well and he was maybe part of that surge towards the, the back end of last year's Super that got the Chiefs back into the playoffs. And it's not to say that Anton Leonard Brown isn't playing well or you know that he isn't doing what he's meant to be doing. It's just the fact that Jack Gucci has stood out for me the last couple of weeks. And looking at just how quickly he's adapted again, albeit as part of a, a Crusaders team. I mean, and, and I mean, you look at that team, right? So he's got an all black outside him, an all black inside him, and he's got outsides of all blacks, and then he's got arguably, all blacks all around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's, oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of all blacks in the Crusaders. Um, so again, that that makes I guess anyone's job easier, but. Yeah, I just I, I sort of wanted to shine a light on him because I just it's, it's just everything like even when he's not involved in the play, you know, whether it you know that be sort of like as part of the defensive line, there's just all this sort of work he does off the ball, and then when there sort of comes the opportunity to I guess make a play or be part of some sort of build up, he always seems to play some sort of part. And again, he's he's super young. I think he's only like 24, maybe, and he's. He's a funny one because he has the but he has the ability to, I guess, do all the the flashy stuff. But because like I guess the because of the the way he plays and maybe and maybe even to an extent because he's parkier, I know that a lot of the the brown boys they, I guess they get attributed with I guess being flashy. Whereas like I guess the the first thing you decide about Jack Goodyear, like you said, you know he's he's safe, you know he's solid, but I I think. You know, I guess we're probably underselling how much of a threat he can be and how potent an attacking weapon he is on a dry track or when when put into a position where he needs to be. So, yeah, good, I, just, uh, I thought I'd good, Yeah, yeah, really good decision maker. Knows what to do, when, when to do it. Yeah. But then Will Jordan, our guy, turned up again. My man. Yeah, 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 the yeah. yeah. uh, two those tries. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like he's stuck his hand up for the second week in a row, right? I mean, like what, like what? Oh, this is frustrating for me, right? So, like David Havili is the vice captain of the Crusaders, and I do think that eventually he is going to get back to that fifteen jersey, which means like where do you fit Will Jordan in? I mean, what he happens showed, next? He, yeah, yeah you, can't, you can't you can't really push him to the wing because <laughs> he's got they've got two all black wings exactly. Oh, yeah, I would hate move to be David making Hilly those calls. Or like move him into 10 because they've already got an all-black midfield and an all-black 10. So it's like something... Maybe they just it. maybe they just have a big uh, contact training during the week and just see who survives. But no, he, he, was, he was another one today. Even in slippery conditions, he still found a way to get himself involved. And yeah, another, another stand-up performance for him. Was there anybody else that sort of shone through for you? I, for me, another one was Cullen Grace. He, I, I mean, I've sung his praises as part of previous podcasts. He's another one amongst that very talented group of young loose forwards that we have at the moment. That he's, you know, especially playing in that blind side position where there's a bit of a vacancy now, um, off the back of you know how much of a struggle it was not being a genuine blind side at the World Cup last year. That's probably like an area of concerns for the All Blacks at the moment or Ian Foster at the moment and even though he might not quite have the size that we'd like as part of our, our loose forward trio, especially if you're going to run with Artie Severe and Sam Kane, you probably want someone with, with a bit more meat on his bones. But 
I'm sure that can all be done with a bit more food and, and a bit more weightlifting. But yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he really sound. Another stand, standout one for me, especially at line out time. I mean, like you put the pressure on Takiyahu to to nail his throws, but when you're having one of a player like him get up and and, and be disruptive, it, it it makes that whole lineup process, I guess, a bit of a burden, especially when Agreed. you get into a, a high pressure area like uh, the opposition twenty two. Agreed, and yeah, I'd, I'd, I mean, Sevu came came up with um, he played a part in both of those tries as well, and I think that's also he's still remaining hungry as well. Um, you know that. That uh, throwing throwing ball to Jordan, I mean, that's just hunger and that's just attitude, just getting there, uh, searching for opportunities, seeking opportunities, and that's just a try that you know you just gotta gotta be hungry for. And he just saw something that people didn't see, and other players wouldn't have attempted that even. But there he is, picking up the ball on the sideline and throwing it in, and he's five points. He's he's the thing I like about Severis probably above all else is that he's. At the moment, he's got this ability to, to go and look for work and, I guess, sort of leave his wing. But then when the opportunity arises for the Crusaders to score, he always seems to be in the right areas of the field. But like you said, like he's, 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 he's a ball of energy. And, you know, he'll get him. Whenever he gets the ball, he makes, sure, he makes sure that, you know, he makes it an effective carry because he understands that, especially like in, in conditions like today, you know, those sorts of opportunities might be scarce, especially when you sort of playing towards the width but you know he'll come in he'll carry he'll clean but then like we saw you know he makes a heads up play with the quick throw in and he is the well he well he had the try assist which led to Will Jordan's try right so yeah another worthy mention from this game and he's yep by the looks of it he's going to kick on and probably keep that All Blacks 14 jersey so yep yeah a pretty scrappy game all up. Like like I said on Wednesday, I probably would have like preferred to have a dry track because I thought that that would have made for an interesting viewing because both the Chiefs and Crusaders have, have pretty deadly back lines and we haven't really seen them, I guess, use them to full effect just yet. Maybe for two different reasons. Obviously, the Chiefs played at home last week and that, that was those were pretty bad conditions as well. And they haven't quite hit their groove yet, I don't think. I mean, there's, there's a lot of factors that go in, and, you know, like losing, I guess, amplifies everything else and can probably make you overthink things at stages. And maybe there's a little bit of hesitation when the right thing to do, maybe in, you know, in those sort of a, those sort of crucial areas, is just, is just to back your instincts but still play within your means. And the Crusaders obviously only started last week as well, and they, they came out with a bit of rust, and then they turn around to this weekend and... Yeah, they get a couple of good tries, but they we, we probably haven't seen the the best of the Crusaders yet. So, yeah, two exciting times games. ahead. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like two enjoyable games for for two different reasons. I guess if you're a, a code purist, you 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 appreciate the the grind um, that we both saw. Obviously, like towards the back end of that Blues and Chiefs, sorry, that Blues and Highlanders game, and then in today and what would have been, I guess, a, a Ford dominant game. Because, you, know, you don't throw a lot of spiral passes or it's difficult to throw a spiral pass when there's a lot of dew on the ball so mm-hmm. yeah but anyway man um like i like i said on wednesday night i i've really appreciated having you on um it's good to get different people's insights and i hope that you enjoyed yourself i know that after having chatted on friday morning we talked about how much you i guess you maybe you, you look at the game differently maybe you know when you're looking to prepare to 
to deliver something like this and yeah, yeah it's my first time doing something like this so very grateful for the opportunity and yeah it just makes you look with the look at the game with a, a different eye and um you know you learn a few things along the way and you see a few things that uh you wouldn't normally see so thanks for the opportunity and who knows maybe i'll be back one day no definitely bro the pleasure was all mine um i'll, I'll definitely get you back on the show at some stage but i think there are there are a few of the other boys um thankfully for me that who i've sort of shoulder tapped and they've like said yeah i'm keen so um i'll, I'll definitely i'll definitely keep your, your your number on hand mate and i'll i'll give you a buzz when need be and hopefully the timings will work out for us but for the time being my man congratulations for your win today uh, with footy and hopefully you keep the good times rolling and yeah awesome bro thanks so much no worries man Kaki kia.